All right, beautiful soul fam. It is time to immerse in yet another ceremony circle adventure. I am your host, shaman and author, Allison Charles. And I'm so excited to bring you this episode this time because you'll basically be eavesdropping on some true and genuine sister time that I have with one of my inner circle friends. We spend time being honest, brave, vibey, drumming and singing. She is such a dear sister and her name is Arana Leia. Some of you may have the card deck at home that she authored and is head witch of. It's called the Moon Deck. She's a trusted spiritual teacher specializing in intuitive powers. She has intuitive oracle trainings and additional products for sacred living. I love her so much. It is a juicy portal filled with connection as sisters because years ago we met in New York City. We both recognized how deeply we both do the work and walk the talk. So in today's episode, Arana shares about a couple of deaths that she has experienced, the death of her mother and of her marriage that happened almost at the same time. In fact, she shares the final conversation that she had with her mom before her passing that shifted her on a cellular level and how that cleared and shifted things for their entire lineage. And for those of you who follow me on Instagram at I am Allison Charles, you know I talk about that a lot, how many of us incarnated right now to be the shifters in our family line. We're the ones who sign up for big, courageous uh, soul missions, and we are devoting to doing all the work it takes to transcend our lineage out of past addictions, Uh, limiting mindsets, beliefs, just basically anything that has held the lineage back in pain and suffrage, we're here to liberate the family line. Arana is also a contributor in my soon coming animal power book. So she shares why the hummingbird is so significant for her. And she shares a ton of really fun and captivating stories around her multi-layered background with religions, lineage, ancestry, spiritual dimensions, how that shaped her from a very young age in terms of spirit visitations, cemetery stories, and a lot more. She shares how you can learn how your intuition speaks and works for you, how to validate it rather than dismiss it, which allows it to grow even stronger and clearer. I share about my experience with leech therapy, and Arana shares about the most life-altering ceremonial experience that she had in India. It's so good and juicy. I'll just leave all the details for when she talks about it. And I love how we get into how some of the biggest ceremonial experiences and life-changing moments can actually just happen right in your own home, right on a rooftop in Brooklyn, at a dance. So often, uh, especially during my 15 years living in New York City, um, I would get asked, where are you having these awakening experiences? Or where were you when you had that life-changing revelation? And nine times out of 10 or 10 times out of 10, it truly happened in my tiny little Brooklyn studio in New York City, oftentimes at my altar. We dive into why stillness and practices of presence and being quiet are the key to attuning to messages from the unseen realms in your intuition. And for the ceremonial offering that you know we do at the end of every single Ceremony Circle episode, you're going to get a double dose today. Arana leads us in a spirit guides prayer activation ritual, and then both she and I get our drums out, and we sing a beautiful sacred song that Arana channeled in. And I do ask if you feel compelled to continue singing that song, that's great. We welcome that. We invite that. 
However, if you share the song with someone else, if you share the song in a circle or weave it into an offering that you guide for a group, please always give Arana credit when doing so. This is a part of shamanism that's very, very important. Whenever we are taught any sacred songs, prayers, practices, rituals, methods, it's vital that you always ask the teacher if you have permission to continue with that practice. And if you are given that permission, that you always pay homage and give proper credit to the teacher when passing it along. So to be clear, Arana definitely invites you to continue singing it and definitely celebrates that. But I just simply ask that you learned it from Arana. And I want to thank Star Animal Sundays for making this episode possible. They are a line of ethically sourced, repurposed gold fine jewelry that you might have guessed it, specializes in and highlights the world of power animals. And you know that is one of the aspects of shamanism that is most near and dear to my heart. The power animal world emerged as my first guides after my spiritual awakening and even came to me to be a voice for them in writing the animal power book and card decks that will be out this year. So I recommend you heading to www.staranimalsundays, that's S-T-A-R-A-N-I-M-A-L-S-U-N-D-A-Y-S.com, staranimalsundays.com, and simply tuning in, feeling into all the animal options, and allowing your intuition to reveal to you what animal's medicine is calling to you most right now. They have necklaces, rings, bracelets. All of the diamonds are ethically sourced and the gold is repurposed. I'm currently wearing my horse necklace. One of the main healing attributes of horse is connecting to your fullest inner divine power and freedom. And I've been feeling those vibes lately. And at checkout, be sure to use the word STAR POWER, all capital letters, STAR POWER, because not only will that get you a beautiful discount, but 25% of sales using that code will be donated to a cause that's very near and dear to my heart. It's called the BOA Foundation, and they work to preserve sacred and indigenous wisdom traditions from around the globe. All right, you're about to step on into a very good witchy hour filled with great depth, fire, and light with me and Arana Leia. Hello, sister. Hi. Thank you for joining me on Ceremony Circle Podcast. I was so excited to have you because you were on my previous show that was more of a film show, Soul Reboot, and we had such a synergistic conversation. I knew I wanted to have you back. And as I was preparing for this interview, I was really reflecting on the time that we first met in New York. And the thing that I remember first about you and that you know, the listeners have already heard me say pretty much every episode, what's, what's most important to me in terms of the guests that I have on is, are they embodied <laughs> and are they integrated? Have they done their shadow work? Do they really walk the talk? And I just remember I had such a clear, total sense and knowingness about 
all of those aspects within you when I first met you. And I love your ability to not be scared of the depths and the shadows and the darkness. And uh, so I just wanted to lead with honoring you and that and your ability to ride all those waves. Thank you. It feels good to be seen and to be held. And I felt that way about you too, by the way, because mm. somehow we both lived in New York for so long and didn't cross paths really. And then when I moved to LA is really when your name started to come into my sphere. And then I had a trip to New York. I was teaching at Inscape and you came right. and then we finally kind of connected. And then I was like, oh, she's, she's down. She's a sister. Mm-hmm. And, I was, and then I hand, and then I had my moon deck that I had already used quite a bit. And every once in a blue moon, the deck that I've been using for several readings for work and healing, spirit will come through and be like, give her your deck. And I'm like, but I like this box. And I was like, okay. So I handed you the deck and that's your deck now. <laughs> yes. And for those watching uh, the video, this is the deck that she speaks of. And I know I always laugh about that moment too, because this genuinely sits at my altar every day and I work with it all the time. And every time I look at it, I have that moment of laughter of remembering you being like, I really wanted to gift you a deck, but I only have my personal one. And then the light bulb went off that you realize you're supposed to give me yours. And you're like, ah, and you were <laughs> honest in that moment. You're like, I really love the wood grain in this one, but I can tell I'm supposed to give it to you. And I was like, yes, yes, you give me. And it's, yeah, such a beautiful deck, which I I know we'll get to at some point deeper in this convo. But speaking of all of these, you know, ways that you ride the waves and and depths that you have experienced, I actually just want to start there because you're no stranger to, I mean, none of us are strangers to having painful moments in life. But again, it's it's your willingness to really explore and investigate and fully go where you need to go in those painful moments that I feel has really allowed you to be that embodied and integrated teacher. And so I know that one of the things you experienced that was really life-changing were kind of two passings and, and two deaths that were very close and time frame, right? It was the passing of your mother and also the shifting in form in terms of your marriage going into divorce. Mm -hmm. So if you can share, what did your mother's passing teach you the most? Yeah. So all of that, you know, year to date was about three and a half years ago. And I feel like I'm still learning some of the layers of it but it doesn't feel like this isolated moment. It feels like it uprooted so much older stuff that I also then had the opportunity to work through. I feel like everything's so, I'm sure for all of us, like overlapping and layered and one thing reveals the next. So in that sense, it didn't feel like these isolated moments, but it was two of the most pivotal experiences in my life, certainly in my adult life. And they were about three months apart the moment I moved out of my ex-husband's and then when my mom passed and then I came to LA where I'm originally from. So the thing I learned with my mom, we had a challenging relationship. We had a very deep spiritual relationship. She's definitely the side of me that is mystical, that is open to kind of spiritual perspectives and expanse and magic. And she always really fed and nurtured that part of me, which is so invaluable. And we just had a challenging relationship because she struggled with addiction and bipolar disorder and was manic and just was very, 
heavy in that way and unpredictable at times. And my parents split when I was four and I was mostly raised by my dad. So I'd visit her summer, Christmas, like school breaks. So it wasn't like a daily thing that I had to deal with, but it was a very present part of my life, of course. So when she passed, I mean, for one, I just feel like she was so liberated. I just, I always say, I just don't feel this was her planet. I think she was wanted to just stretch beyond the container of her body and was probably dealing with a lot of karmic density in this life, I imagine. A week before she passed, we had the most, and our relationship was on the mend for sure. And it had been, I had seen her like a year before she, she left. And that was a beautiful trip. And then a week before she passed, we had the most incredible, like strangely incredible conversation. I think she knew she was going for Mm. sure. Uh, she didn't tell me that, but I know she knew. And even the man she was with at the time, she said she's going crazy cleaning and like trying to get everything organized. And just, she just knew. And I'm not surprised that she would know because of who she was. And I'm, probably we all know at some point. And this conversation was so profound. And she'd been calling me and calling me like every day for a couple of weeks. And we just kept missing each other. I finally picked up the phone and it was just this beautiful conversation. There wasn't any charge. There wasn't any... I don't know, just like the the waves parted and created this space and I felt a cellular shift in my body. Mm. And basically what the conversation was, I mean, I I think she partly let herself go because she heard more strength in my voice. I was pretty kind of torn up from the divorce and just like that whole six months of dealing with all of that and moving out and just that's a whole nother story of what that uprooted for me. But then LA was starting to line up and all these workshops were like, things were kind of starting to flow and line up. And I was getting kind of a little of my pet back in my step and, and she could hear that. And she's like, there's my lion girl. And like, so I'm a Leo. And she's just like, she's like, roar. Yeah. Like reclaim it, you know? And so I think she let herself go. And in that conversation, she's like, I think, and this was part of the gift of that conversation because what she wanted to give me never got to happen, which was a trip together but it didn't really need to. And I remember thinking that after the call and she's like, I want us to take a trip. I think I'm strong enough because she was already not well. And, and she, there was so many things going on. No one really knows what she died of, but she did have cirrhosis of the liver and just like a lot of things piled up and, and her spirit was just so ready. And, um, and so our plan was to go to Joshua tree. She'd come to LA, visit my older brother, see his kids and kind of have this closing trip, I think is in her head. And she was like, I want to come out there and I think I'm strong enough to take it, but I just want you to unload everything on me. Like everything that's happened to you, I just want you to feel validated for what you've gone through, whether or not I agree with it, whether or not I have a different perspective. I just want to validate you so that you don't have to carry that garbage around anymore because I never got that and it nearly killed me. Wow. And she had a really tough up. So I was just kind of like, okay, like that's powerful. It was so, I just, I literally felt my cells shifting in my body and I was so touched. And again, I had no idea she'd be dying a week later. And the conversation was much more than that, but that was one of the biggest memories of it. And we talked a little bit about that. And I was like, I don't think we need to, but okay, maybe that'll be good, you know? And because I had a lot of resentment to work through towards her, towards my dad, towards my family. Were you able to express that? Yeah. I didn't want to like ream her at the moment, but like, and we had already gone through a lot of that process over the years, but I think our hope was that it could happen in a healthy way Mm -hmm. and that I could just be held by her and share what my experience was in some of the trauma and chaos that I grew up in that, you know, from two adult parents that didn't have their tools and were too young and 
too absorbed in their own thing and et cetera. So of course now as an adult, I can see that more, but as a child, my inner child wasn't clear on all that yet. And, and so we talked a little bit about that and just her saying that. And I remember we got off the phone. We also had talked about many other things. And when we, I got off the phone, I hung up the phone and I was just like, what just happened? Like, that was amazing. I just feel this huge shift in my body. And even if that trip didn't happen, that was the gift. And what keeps coming up as I'm listening to you is something that I think you and I have chatted about, you know, those of us that incarnated this lifetime being the shifters for our entire lineage and our ancestry and being the ones in the line to really break free of patterns that have just persisted. And your mom coming in with that like last minute wisdom of, of that awareness, because it just, just seems like in that alchemical moment between the two of you, you really cleared something lineage wise. Big or, time. Yeah. I feel like when she died, she also took even more of it with her. Like I felt there was, you know, I've still had my work to do, but just, she just took a chunk of it away. Wow. Oh God. I, I feel that. Wow. Good yeah. on mom. And it, it really taught me how important it is. And so you asked what was one of the main things that I learned. We all have our work to do with our parents and and many people in our life, especially our parents and our families and where we've come from. And, you know, when she passed away, I I remember I was staying at a friend's house because I was in the subletting phase of moving out. Figuring your life out. Figuring my life, everything imploding. (laughs) And I just had my altar going and candles, like my little campfire. And I just was crying. My mom was a huge country music fan, so she loved Dolly Parton. So I remember I was at my friend's house. It was kind of fun. And my mom had this crazy sense of humor. She sort of did stand-up comedy on the side sometimes. She was a very, she owned a monkey. She was a very eccentric. Colorful. Colorful. I'll probably write more about her one day. And she had a crazy sense of humor. So I feel, and she used to always say to me, like, lighten up, Arana, you know, something she said to me a lot. So I feel like she was sort of joking with me while I was mourning her. There was a few things that happened. Like once I released her ashes and the wind just blew it right back on me. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. And then when I was like mourning her with the altar, I was like crying, like playing Dolly Parton on repeat. And this guy knocks on the door and like, I come and I'm just like, teary eyed Dolly's like yeah in and the he's background. like uh you know he didn't know what he's gonna open the door to he's like uh you've been playing that a lot and like do you mind <laughs> I was just like oh and it kind of straightened me up and just like these little things would happen that just kept the humor in it all and so good and when and the other thing that I most thing I learned and I actually share with people now when we have these kinds of conversations is like when people move on and die and this was a huge thing that I learned like don't hold on to the junk because not only does it not let us be free in this lifetime, but we, it helps their soul be free. And the only thing I want from my mom is to be liberated and free. And I had this image when she died that her spirit was just like, mm. like finally for generations possibly took a huge inhale that she hadn't been able to take in this lifetime and who knows how many other lifetimes. And I just saw this expanse and this sparkling freedom. And I think I got a reading and they're like, yeah, she's well, but she's, very tired. Like her spirit's like rebuilding itself. Yeah. And I just was like, I don't, I have my work to do still internally from, you know, our relationship and what I grew up in. And and that's still unfolding today. But I was like, but I don't want her to carry that. I don't want to carry it. And I want her to be free. And so when people hold on to those resentments towards their deceased loved ones, it's such a disservice to the freedom of their soul. And 
it's just heavy to have to yeah. carry in this lifetime. Be, uh, the word that and the feeling it kept coming in is it blocks stuff up in so many different capacities. The other thing that was coming in is how for my book that will be out next year, you are a contributor and and share about a really meaningful animal that has spiritual significance for you, which is the hummingbird, which ties into your mom and and you sharing some of more these uh, details, the lightheartedness, the ashes blowing back in your face, and just some. <laughs> Some of these funny moments and I have a picture, uh, actually someone drew um, this beautiful illustration of a hummingbird for me. They didn't know the significance I had for me, but it sits on my altar. It's also a very, very special one that I work with uh, specifically for, you know, just remembering the sweetness of life and the lightheartedness. And I, and I love hearing these stories about your mama, what she was trying to bring to you and then how the hummingbird ties in. So will you share a little bit about the hummingbird story? Yeah. So the hummingbird appeared when I got to LA and of course there's more hummingbirds here than New York city. So there is that. However, you know, whenever I see a hummingbird, it forever represents her now. I think that's how these symbols work, but there's specific moments for me that were undeniable the way she showed up and why I even connected it. It could have been any animal. Right. And so when I got here, I was definitely swampy, kind of going through it, you know, <laughs> going through a tough, tough time. People would just ask me how I was and I'd just be like, oh, you know, just the drop of a hat I would just cry. I see you like emerging <laughs> your long black hair, like this muck creature, like emerging out of the swamp, just covered in like sludge. That's how you know? I felt. Yeah, there's a handful of people that could handle it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Takes a special one. Takes a special one for that. But, you know, I also was with myself and he I was healing. Sure. And kind of ripped open in a lot of ways. And yeah, so when I got here, what was the first, I can't remember the first moment, but there was like, I know there was one moment I was driving my car, crying, approaching a, a red light. And before I was probably like four feet, three feet, I was just slowing down towards the light. And I was in a heavy space mentally. And a hummingbird came in front of my dashboard and it did just like fly away. It came to the point where I had to slow down so I wouldn't hit it. And it just fluttered on the driver's side of the windshield, not the dashboard, the windshield, and just like just fluttered in place there as I slowed down and like would not go until I really saw it and kind of cleared up. And then it went away. Hmm. And there was a moment like that. There was a moment where I was writing actually a long post about her and the hummingbird and like one just came and sat with me. My brother and I, we have her ashes and we're releasing them in different places. And my brother and I, Sean, we're releasing them on her one year anniversary, I think, near this oak tree near where he lives. And, and he knows my story about the hummingbird. And he just said quietly, like, mom, if you're with us, give us a sign. And literally out of the bush, straight up, a hummingbird came up. And I was, in, I was like in my own zone. He tapped me. He's like, Arana, Arana. And I looked up and it was just there. And then it went off. And wow. there's like so a little many, angel. Just this little in. angel. Yeah. And in Shasta, it, it happened a couple of times where I just feel her with me and I feel mm -hmm. her on my left side. And I feel my great grandfather, who's my maternal great grandfather and also my native blood on my right side. Mm -hmm. And then my paternal grandmother kind of stands behind me. And that's oh, something yeah. that's been developing over the oh. years and... Love it. Yeah. So those are some of the hummingbird stories. And like I said, now I just, whenever I see one, I'm just like, mom, whether or not it is, but it's just forever tied into that symbology. And it's, it's warming and it, it feels very sincere. And it's like, you know, I think with all of this, I talk to a lot of people that are, who instantly believe these kinds of things and others who are like, what, come on. I'm like, it doesn't matter whether this is 
somehow helping me in some cathartic way or it is deeply spiritual, it doesn't matter. And then to me, it feels very spiritual because it's so divinely timed and I can feel it in my bones. And I think we're both on this mission of like, let's all get out of the spiritual closet. Like we know there's so much deep truth in our bones. Our spirit guides, our ancestors are right here, so close, ready to support us and guide us and protect us. And it's just a matter of softening and listening and, you know, setting up your healthy energetic boundaries so that you're clear what you're calling in and then starting to really get to know and get intimate with that energy. And and then it just deepens and swells into something you know, really beautiful and, and really available. And I deeply believe in the unseen. And I think it, we're in a time in the world where it's more important than ever to nurture and feed that that part of our being. For it. sure. Yeah. yeah, it's really thrusting. Um, I mean, my awakening came from a, a divine thrusting that was like an intervention. And so, yes, those happen. But for the most part, yes, as a collective, just humanity, it, there's with this voided space that's been created um, in this time, it's if you're willing, you can really learn how to open powers and 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 knowingnesses and ancient wisdoms and and gifts and abilities to get to know yourself and those unseen realms in ways that you didn't know you could. Um, but we all certainly have the capabilities. And my favorite quote of all time is truth is a pathless land, you know, and it really speaks to entering into those waters of the unseen realms of the different dimensions. And, you know, there's this line from this Sufi mysticism song that is my all time favorite. I swear I like wrote it back in the day or something, because every time I play it, I'm like, I created (laughs) the song. It speaks of these essences that we're talking about. And it says, you are secret yet so evident. Mm. You know, these energies, these whispers, these winds, these feelings in our blood and our bones, all these things that are so intangible and they feel so secret yet so evident. It's that balance of learning to trust yeah, those whispers and those and those energies, because somewhere in you, they just you know that they're truth. Mm-hmm. And I just I love that you you took it there. And this really is that time. I'm not discrediting the challenges that come with it, a time like this, and and the fears and the scary feelings that can come up. But the void is also the home of infinite possibilities and infinite miracles. It just, but it takes practice. And 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 like you said, the more that we lean in to these possibilities, it's really honored back by source. It's like, oh, I see this person that's never leaned in before into this leaning in, and then it'll give you something that's a little richer for you to then be like, wow, oh my gosh, maybe this is real. And then it helps you to keep leaning in because it does take courage to do all of this. It does. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I guess it isn't, as you're speaking, I'm like, well, I wonder, I think of certain people in my life that just have no interest and will never go there. And I'm just like, is that, and that's fine. Right. And I'm just like, is, are some of us just built to have more natural inherent connection to it because of our past lives or our ancestry or I don't know. I mean, our mission, I, this our mission who knows? Yeah. I just have always seen it that way since I was a child. I mean, it was sort of, my mom was like that, as I said, so I obviously carry her and me and my dad is 
you know, my dad's European Jewish and my mom's Cherokee, Choctaw and French. And, and then she was raised Jehovah witness, but became a Buddhist, but we'd celebrate Christmas. And then I would do Jewish stuff with my dad. And I then, love all that. I know all. And I was exposed to so much, but I'd also be like Ouija board, haunted house, sign me up. So I kind of liked all of it and probably dabbled in more than I should have, but it was just this insatiable like curiosity for like, what is this about? And I just loved it so much. And yeah. so yeah. And I think it, it helped me, you know, and I, when I was little, I, I really sort of taught myself how to pray and would make up my own languages for protection. And weren't you able to pick up on or see spirit or there was, I feel like there's some story. Maybe. Around well, I, I didn't like see it the way I would see you and me. That's not, I didn't have that type of Claire to see, see is more of a feeling, but I definitely had some wild experiences. I mean, I, I wouldn't see things super physically, but sometimes I would see like things shift or energy shift. Yeah. You know, I had my great grandfather who passed when I was nine months old, like visit me when I was about 11. I came home from camp Maybe that's one day. What yeah. Of. Yeah. I came home from camp one day and, and I mean, who knows if it was real or my imagination, but I spent like two hours with him and I was dancing, showing him what I learned at camp and I ate food and then I cried and asked him why he had to leave and he gave me all this information and I told my mom and she was like, yeah, that was granddaddy and things like that would happen when I was younger. Um, sometimes, I mean, it sounds kind of spooky, but <laughs> sometimes I would feel things if I walked through a cemetery, I would feel temperatures changing and things like that. So I actually had to learn boundaries mm -hmm. and, and where that curiosity was, was rightfully placed. And, and sort of, I think I was sort of this kid that like, just kind of like, Ooh, like witchy and magic and spirituality. It was all kind of jumbled together, but eventually, you know, I do have a connection to spirit or God and that's, you know, to the vibration of love and, you know, while exploring the shadow. And I think for where our shortcomings and our blind spots and our denials and our, you know, shadows live, you know, we can't, fight with them forever. We really do want to meet them with the vibration of love to transform them. And that's been huge for me. And it's so much about what my work is now because that self-love piece, you know, we have to rebuild that. So many of us, our self-worth yes. and our self-love. So for me, when it comes to intuition, when it comes to communicating to our spirit guides, when we start to recognize and acknowledge how our intuition speaks to us, how our spirit guides speak to us, how spirituality unfolds in our life. The more we recognize and acknowledge it, the more it starts to show up. And then if we take the next step and actually validate it, like deeply validate it rather than dismiss and discredit it, because we've all done that to ourselves enough, like really validating it. Not only are we accelerating that relationship in the sacred form of communication by validating it, and then that means it's happening more. We learn to trust it more but it's also ends up being this huge healthy dose of medicine to our self-worth into mm -hmm. our subconscious. Oh, so like the deepest, the richest self, self-honor, yeah. self-respect. I mean, those are the foundational pillars that sets all the things that you want to be reflected back to you externally. It comes from that foundation. Yeah. And I had to really build it from scratch in the story in my own life that comes up in this topic that I, you know, there's no need to get super deep into it, but I feel it should be said is one of my previous relationships. So it was very long-term when I had my divine intervention, spiritual awakening moment that happened very instantaneously. One of the big revelations the awakenings that I had to take responsibility for and, and come to terms with when, within my own self was realizing that for that 16-year journey, every time I was physical and intimate with him, 
I allowed my physical sacred vessel to be dishonored every single time. Mm -hmm. Those exchanges were never coming from a healthy, honoring place. It was all pushed from and rooted from perhaps his, his addictions on his end and just a very dishonoring, energetic discourse. And I thought, wow, in facing that, because I think I, you know, was perhaps feeling shame around that. So it became a shadow aspect that I wasn't really acknowledging. And then when I finally was, I I said, Allison, you have to look at this. If you're allowing your sacred physical body to be dishonored on a regular basis for that many years, what is the root of that? Where does that come from? Mm. You know, and in lovingly bringing that shadow piece, blind spot to the front and in a compassionate way, really starting to inquire, ask it questions, speak to it and get to know it, not from, you know, a a blaming or an angry judgmental place, but from the kindest place that I could, it then started to show me and inform back and speak back to me, you know, where the childhood wounding that actually was the root that then, you know, created those, those ripples of you know, transferring of childhood wound into then like a a more adult relationship wound that was creating the same dynamic, but in a different way. And anyways, it's just, it begins when you're willing to look at things that you were too scared to look at before. My point is it takes you on the richest, most miraculous healing journey possible. And it comes from being willing to go into the shadow. And that's where the real gems are. Yeah, it is. It's, it's scary for people, I think. And and that's where I always say, like, please invest in yourself financially, energetically, with your time, whatever it is, we have to carve out that space to invest in ourselves, whatever that is, so that you get the support you need. Some of that is a solo journey. I mean, all of it's a solo journey. You, it, you, it is a solo journey, for sure. No one can do it for you. But you can have counsel yes and healers and friendships that can have the capacity for that and you know really having your your counsel whatever that looks like to support you whether that's body work once a month and therapy of some kind weekly and working with your cards and your altar in the morning so that you're having that relationship with spirit there's so many things one can do that cost nothing but if you are going into a dark shadowy place it really helps to work with someone or some ones that have walked that journey and have knowledge and perhaps are a few steps ahead of mm-hmm. you and, and have the capacity to see your light through that and work with someone who's definitely not as scared of it as you are. Because <laughs> if you're doing it on your own, it, it can be, you know, but, you know, I've, I'm sure you have to have it's half of it's for sure a solo journey. For sure. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, the key for me was surrendering, you know, speaking to great spirit and great mother earth and me knowing after the awakening that I had a lot of work to do <laughs> and, uh, and a lot of healing work. And I just surrendered completely in all ways. And, and I said, show me the way. And mm. I really, you know, where I, took my responsibilities, I heeded the messages. I was shown like, go to this shaman, you know, go to this, you know, I don't even remember how to say it. It was like organomy. It was some different kind of practice. Like I just, leech therapy. I mean, I was literally shown in different ways where to go and when, and I listened every time and and I still do. So you did um, leech therapy? Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah, it was it was very powerful because before I did it, I was pretty scared of them. You know, they're these slimy kind of creepy crawly, like the look on your face just then you kind of quivered. And yeah, they're these gloppy, gooey little things that just suck your blood. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, in movies, uh, Stand By Me and, you know, there's these different scenes that involve leeches and it, the fear gets built around them. And yet I knew I needed to go. There's this guy who's this world famous Austrian leech therapist who happened to be in Brooklyn. Yeah, it's filmed, actually. You can see it somewhere on YouTube. I haven't looked at it in about a decade, but... Uh, wow, that'd be cool to pull up and like <laughs> weave into something, a little clip for this. Yeah, yeah, that's wild. Yeah, and, and I love that you said that it's like, you know, listening to it and just even how powerful the inquiry is, like, show me the way. Just that humility that the dark night of the soul, the shadow brings us to our knees sometimes, uh, you know? Yeah. And, and you've asked me, like, what are some ceremonies you've gone through? And there's some formal group led ceremonies. I've been all kinds of things, but some of them were just like me on a rooftop on my fricking knees crying to spirit that like, I'm finally getting out of the way, please help me. And like, that feels like a ceremony sometimes. <laughs> oh yes, definitely. So yeah, let's dip into some of those ceremonial experiences because, you know, the whole point in Ceremony Circle podcast is essentially is that all of life is a ceremony, right? You know, and, and the more we just open ourselves up to learning and, and growing and allowing us to view all of life with more sacredness and reverence, we start to see that just everything is our teacher and, and everything truly is ceremony. So I love to chat with each guest. You know, what does ceremony mean to you? What it, what comes up when you hear ceremony circle? And what are some of the examples of ceremonies that you have either facilitated because you are a teacher of, of many, many years or a ceremony that you've been immersed in that just provided something that was super, super juicy. So I would love to hear a little bit about the India story. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I feel like there's, as you said, for me, it's, there was less of, and when you asked those questions in preparation for today, I really sat with it this morning. So I was like, what were those pivotal moments? And I'm inspired to really sit with that more and kind of dig into that to add to some of my work and my writing because it wasn't this one pivot where everything became clear. It's just been this unfolding thing since I was little and going through difficult times that really was like, do you want to live or not? You know? And so that kind of, you know, or do you want to live happily or not? You know? So that India trip that you're talking about was in 2000 and it was right before I moved to New York and I used to be a photographer. That's what I went to school for. And so I wanted to, and I was studying yoga at the time, but I wasn't yet teaching. I had studied for about 10 years before I taught. And so I was just like, I'm going to go to India. I'd been in Connecticut, going to school, doing my photography. I was actually a spoken word artist at the time and writing poetry and doing my uh, photographs. And I was like, I'm going to take a trip and go to India. And I was flipping through a yoga journal magazine at the time. And I was like, oh, what's this Kumbh Mela thing? And, and in my mind, I was like, oh, I'll go there for a couple of days and then leave. Like, you just can't do that with Kumbh Mela. So somehow, you know, the stars all aligned. I ended up meeting this film crew who was going there to document a film of the Maha Kumbh Mela. And so I came as the still photographer. And then I just sort of studied yoga on the side during this trip. So the Kumbh Mela is this huge Hindu festival and it moves around. It's on, it's like in three different locations in Northern India. And the one that I went to 
apparently this is the Maha. The Maha is like the big one. And uh, that one won't happen again 144 years. Wow. So now I guess 120 something years. That's so, incredible. Yeah. I, I know that's happened a lot in my travels and in my life where I kind of end up somewhere with these really sacred opportunities. It's like, oh, this is a once in a lifetime thing. So so I was at the Kumbamela and it's a, in a place called Allahabad and there's three rivers, the Ganga River, the Yamuna River, and then there's a third mythical river called the Saraswati River. And where they three, where they all come together is the Sangam, which is the convergence. And that convergence of the river is where everyone bathes. That's like the holy spot. And it's a two month long event. It's hard to describe. I mean, if you've ever been to Burning Man, you're definitely like in the desert, dirt, you know, but it's super religious. You have to be covered and, but it's wild. Like you have Baba sitting on nails and like other guys like hanging all kinds of things from their, from their thing. And just like, there's like all kinds of showing, showy things happening with the Babas who have basically renounced everything. And they're like, but I can do this. (laughs) And um, so it was a wild experience and I was there photographing it, but it was a huge ceremony as well. Cause it was just, it was so life-changing. I was much younger and like, you know, so I just was so naive, but it was like, there was a magic in that naivety. And I was kind of in my editorial documenting photo photographer persona at the time. Cause I was working on this film, but the whole thing was wild. I mean, I was just being stretched in every direction and I did bathe. I don't know if I'd bathe in the Ganga river now, but back then I was like, yeah, I was so taken by the spirit of it. And so over the course of those two months, the population of the festival would sort of fluctuate because some people would come and go. Some people stayed the whole time. Our crew had a house across the river where we like built out a whole thing with a recording studio. And it was a whole, it's a much longer story, but we had a, a system there. And then we would take a boat across to enjoy the Kumbamela and photograph it. So there was about six of the dates that were most auspicious and they were more auspicious because of where the stars were astrologically. And those were the days you bathe in the river. So one of the times I went in there and I just remember we were in a boat. I got out, I went in the water and we were doing these prayers and I got out and my hair was wet. Everything was wet. And I just opened my eyes and it felt like I was reborn. It was like a total, it felt like I was baptized, you know, in in Hindu way, but I just felt so reborn and just cleared of everything. And I feel like there's these moments in my life, even when I went to Shasta recently, where I just have this like flush through of energy to sort of recalibrate and sort of be reborn in a way. And I, yeah, I feel like that I'm built to like need these resets. And I can, when I'm, I can crave them sometime if I've been, I work really hard and I'm on my computer a lot and I run a business and I, I have these very polarizing sides of me in this world. And so I, I'm still learning the balance of all of that, but I, I have to go on some kind of deep pilgrimage at least once a year. I have to go deep into the intimacy with spirit. I mean, I do that in my daily practices, but I have to really go in deep a couple times a year where I'm just clearing the space for that. I just don't feel like myself. And so that was one of those times where I have that call and that's something I don't ever want to go away. And, and then after that, after the Kumbamela, which was just life altering culturally, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, like on every level, we were hanging out with Babas that were, you know, using their flutes with the snake charmers and giving us shows and it was wild. And, and, uh, and then I just took my own trip after that and went really deep into the study of yoga and uh, even deeper. It was a six-month trip. So I traveled the second half by myself, ended up in Rishikesh, 
And then I studied there with <laughs> a guy who I think is actually like on the run now. It's like a whole thing has, uh, yeah, it was like the, they weren't called, I think it's Angama or something. They weren't called that then. It was sort of pre them becoming a real establishment, but it was a wild training where you would learn. It was kind of on the tantric side and you would, and it was like Hatha based and tantric based. And that's where I learned Uddiyana Bandha and like all the breath work. And you would learn one posture a day and get into the mental, the spiritual, the medical, the physical, all the components of it. And I stayed there for about a couple months. And so the longer you stayed, the smaller the groups got. And then the more sort of culty it got. So (laughs) I was like, cult, sign me up. So I was such a seeker growing up. (laughs) But I always had discernment somehow. I always somehow, thankfully, and I used to kind of beat myself up for that. I was like, why can't I just be more committed? Why can't I just go all the way in? And, And lo and behold, with every yoga practice that I've studied with everything that I've studied and all the teachers I've studied with, not that they all ended up like that, but there was, there's oftentimes something in me that knew when I had enough Yes. or would only go so far or still always had to add my own special sauce to it. It's just how I am built. And now I feel like with all the stuff coming out and this isn't the only experience, I'm just like, oh, okay, Arana, you know, give yourself some credit. You are actually so intuitive and healthfully discerning even though I'm a seeker and and see things in a much more expanded way than some hey soul fam I want to take a moment to let you know about one of my favorite brands and products on the entire planet it's called Lotus Way they are my go-to flower essence and flower elixir company and they are making today's episode possible Lotus Way picks the most incredible plants and flowers by hand from the wild in special gardens all around the world. And then they work with the chi or the life force from said plants and flowers and incorporate them into a range of epic options. And I know you guys will be into this. Everything from elixirs that you ingest orally, bath salts, aura mists and sprays, so much more. I've personally been working with the Infinite Love Anointing Oil a lot lately. One of my main intentions this year is to continue to open my capabilities to be unconditionally loving, even to those who may lash out in pain, say hurtful things, or challenging to deal with. I still want to hold that embodiment of love. And this anointing oil has truly been supporting me in this growth. I love it so much. So anytime I feel my heart closing down, or if my heart already feels open and I simply want to have it expand even more, I rub a little bit of the oil into my heart center or anywhere else I feel called. Sometimes I put it on my third eye, my wrists. I inhale a little bit of that love medicine into my heart and it really gets me recentered and clear. Ah, can you imagine if the whole world did this? It would be a uh, very different place. They have a huge range of options. I can't wait for you to explore it. Everything from enhancing joy, abundance, wisdom, embodiment, energy protection, fearlessness, and so much more. You can check all of it out at www.lotusway.com. That's www.lotusway.com. You can use code MYSTIC at checkout. It will get you 15% off. And remember, I mentioned their Aura Mist. That's another one of my favorites. I've been using the Radiant Energy Aura Mist. It has Palo Santo oil on it. It's very effective. Use it anytime you just want to cleanse your energy field. It's been a game changer. Can't wait to see what you guys love. Let me know what you get.
I'm so glad you're taking it here organically because I actually had it down here to talk about. Perfect segue. (laughs) (laughs) I do want us to chat at least a little bit, you know, because spirituality and these consciousness practices, you know, thankfully they're opening up more and more and more and more people every day are having their own spiritual awakenings and leaning in. I think people that even two years ago might have, you know, given a side eye to shamanism or mysticism or, you know, maybe now have their own altar and their own card deck and things are just really opening up in terms of spirituality globally, but especially here in the U.S. And and with that, there are just things that I think we as more elder teachers, uh, I do think it's our responsibility to at least share from our own perspective and opinion things that we feel are important to have discernment around. And for me, you know, it's no different than what I was looking for in terms of of guests here, you know, people that have really done the shadow work and are not disconnected um, from going there and that are truly embodied. So I'm so curious from your perspective if people are opening up to the healing space and and really do, if they're feeling a call, if their soul is really leaning them into um, working with any sort of energy worker, shaman, you know, whatever the case may be, there's infinite different types of medicine people and healers out there. But what is important, you know, to to look out for? Of course, we always want to turn people back to that inner navigation system. And like you're talking about, you had that inner knowingness, that inner discernment. So, of course, that's key. What are some tips that you have for, yeah. for folks? What What's important here? Yeah, I think pointing back to my younger self, realizing she didn't even know she was being discerning at the time. And I kind of like had this moment, which is tied into the self-worth stuff that we're talking about, probably of like, you know, like giving myself a hard time for being discerning, not realizing that that's actually what was happening. So I want us all to give ourselves a break and be compassionate and kind to ourselves in this journey and to not judge it and to let the emotions that are going to come up through shadow work move. They need to move. As far as like discernment, yeah, it's really, I mean, to me, the practice of intuition is trial and error. There's going to be some of that. But if something feels off, trust that more than the need to not make someone else uncomfortable or trust that more than the need to be nice because you can still remove yourself in a way that doesn't have to feel like an attack or whatever. If something feels off, I would just say trust it. The other piece is as we're learning about our intuition and our kind of inner GPS, what the shadow work can help lead us to is knowing what's triggers versus truth. Because even still, I'm, I'm, I get this question a lot. I'm, I'm still kind of figuring this out in, in some ways with intuition. You know, is this, is, is it intuition or is this a reaction based on like old emotional patterns? 100%. And so that's where the fine, subtle line where it's really personal. And that's why it's important to li- listen to intuition and the small stuff. So as the bigger stuff comes up, like, oh, that's that feeling. And, and when we mess up and we don't listen to it to also kind of take note of that. So yeah, through the shadow work, we can get to a place where we're able to decipher what's trigger versus truth. And that only comes with practice and time. Marking that as the title for this episode. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Trigger versus truth. And, And when it feels off to listen to that, and if that means removing yourself from the situation or just slowing down inside energetically and really being present to what's happening, 
so that if you do need to stop something, you can, or even having a discussion with the person be like, cause a true healer or someone who's really there to support you isn't going to be offended if you bring that up. Absolutely. And if they are split, right. If yeah. they're making it about, if you're like, you know what, I'm really uncomfortable. I'm not sure if this is unveiling something that I need to work through or like this isn't right for me. And I think a healthy healer can work through that with you versus, I mean, I've been with people that definitely crossed some lines with me that I only realized afterwards and totally spun. It's like, oh, everyone makes me their dad or their boyfriend or their brother. They project their thing onto me. If someone's saying that to you, like run. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's a feeling and a sense. And, and also like if you're more comfortable working with women or you're more comfortable working with men, listen to that. Like maybe down the road, that won't matter as much. And also if, if a healer is right for your friend, you know, we are all such ancient beings with unique souls and unique soul alchemies. And and it evolves, you know, healing modalities that my soul needed for its evolution a decade ago are, are a lot of them are very different than what I need and where I'm at right now. And what your friend's soul is, is really calling for, for its own healing, nourishment, transcendence right now does not equate to what is what is in the highest and greatest for you. So I think just also, because, you know, as people are maybe getting excited, oh, I had this really incredible experience with healer Joe in Venice or whatever, you know, <laughs> it, you know, and they can be like, this happened and the friend can get excited. Um, so it's, I just, it's taking those pauses and, and really tuning in. And also if something feels off, it can just feel off without you understanding why. <laughs> you don't have to answer yeah. and fill in that blank and answer that question totally. It can just be something as simple as, I don't know what it is. It just, something doesn't feel right, period. Yeah, 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 exactly. And and it could be like your readiness. It could be the alchemy of you and the other person. It doesn't, but it doesn't really matter. And intuition is not always rational. And, you know, there's a lot of times where I've invested and took time to work with someone and it was fine for what it was, but I didn't go back again. And, you know, I've had a lot of one-offs and then I have my very few people that I would return to. And so I think it's the experimenting as well. And you and I just both love to experiment with that. So we're like, ooh, I want to try this thing. You know, that's kind of part of my makeup. But if it's really new territory for you, yeah, do your research as well. And if it's a really big commitment that you're putting yourself into, do the research, sit with it. And like you said, it doesn't have to make sense that it does or doesn't feel right. And if something was great for your friend and it's not for you, it doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. Yeah, that's like the biggest thing. Just don't make yourself wrong for if you're doing deep shadow work and, and you're working on self-esteem stuff. And, you know, I think it's easy to make ourselves wrong or kind of self-loathe if something didn't quite work out. Like you're not doing anything wrong. There's nothing to get right. And it's just a journey and it's, it's, it's on no one else's timetable, but your own, it's not a linear path and explore it. And if something only gave you a little bit and something else gives you more, and then you learned from a lesson, like all of that is a part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so beautiful. It uh, kind of brings up what you were sharing before we started to record and, you know, just various ceremonial experiences you've had and, I think it it's really beautiful that some of your more profound and transcendent ones were, like you said, on a rooftop in a Brooklyn, you know, old <laughs> Brooklyn building. You know, I think a lot of people, perhaps, you know, especially ones newer to embarking on the path might 
perhaps automatically assume that maybe a San Pedro or an ayahuasca ceremony would be the ones that, um, you know, provided the most impactful or spontaneous healing. And don't get me wrong, that happens. You know, my, my, my fiance is case in point, you know, he's had some of his most profound healing moments in those particular plant medicine spaces. Um, and while you have, um, with honor, immersed yourself in those spaces, as you were reflecting, you thought, you know, what? I was actually at a high school dance when the, this big one hit, or <laughs> when I went to, you know, the Brooklyn rooftop and you the did. high school day. Well, it was more of a rave. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, and, and I have had incredible experiences with medicines. Yes. Incredible. And I experimented from a young age. I was starting in like eighth grade through high school. So whether it was like mushrooms or, you know, different type of psychedelics, dancing on psychedelics were huge for me when I was younger. And yeah, I did work with San Pedro in Peru in Machu Picchu, which was like a ridiculously amazing and super heart opening. I've had a lot of different experiences of all of that. And they've all kind of added one of the beads to the mala necklace, you know, and I just, I, I think it's just, that's what it feels like these experiences. And some of them were amazing for what it was and, and didn't offer an overnight healing. It, it sort of healed in the moment. And I had these like epiphanies and I felt so much closer to spirit and felt my heart blast open and, and then the callus builds over it all again. And then I have more work to do again. So for me, it's just been kind of ongoing and it does feel like just a bead to the necklace until the mall is full and I can just wear it and feel at home in myself. And, and that's oh, been my journey. Way. Yeah. Beautiful way of explaining it. And it's also, I think, honoring the richness and profoundness that can come from the healing energetics and healing medicines that work more in a subtle way in the subtle body. And, you know, oftentimes some people might yearn for those more profound, like, like explosive. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, in my time working with grandfather medicine, peyote, it's such a, it's such a deepest reverent spirit and medicine for me, but it works in a more mysterious mm subtle body way. And for some reason, I love that. I love the question marks of it all, you know, and um, it's, it's hard to put into words. I'm like doing this weird thing with my hands. <laughs> like it works like this, you know? <laughs> I love that too. I'm like, Ooh, yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Yeah. I see that. But you can't, but the idea is that we do these things so that we then integrate it into our life, not as these, and that's, that's where my kind of, I guess, hesitation is at right now. And that could change. You know, I've done combo. I've done all kinds of things. When I came to LA, I did an inoculation of combo, which I really needed and was terrified. I was like shaking my first time and did a year of research. And I was like, can I do this? Um, <laughs> and so I'm really open and I'm actually starting to feel called to that again. So I'm, I'm open when I feel that intuitive call. We're talking about intuition so much. And then when I'm not also honoring that and really looking to, you know, kind of also when earlier when you're like, well, what kind of, should we, how do we know what healers to work with? Go to people or go to the communities where they're actually exhibiting something you crave for yourself and that somehow they feel like something you can emulate or want to emulate. And that's like another way for a sign, like working with someone like Allison and seeing who you are and how you bring your essence in the world. If that really resonates, then then that person's going to probably be more aligned with working with you. And, and then with the medicines, you know, as long, in my opinion, anyway, as long as they're not these like isolated things that you do every weekend, 
but then you're just like an ass the rest of the week. I mean, it's just like, same with yoga. It's just like, how do you actually integrate this to become a new person and to see the world differently and not only mingle with your exclusive bubble, but start to bring that outside into the inclusivity of the collective. Not that you don't have your healthy boundaries. You don't need to let everyone in, but I just see a lot of that kind of that stuff happen and that energy happen. And I, it just sort of actually sometimes turns me off and, and, but I know not all circles are like that by any means. And I have plenty of people I love deeply that are involved in that, but I really appreciate the people who I see are really taking that work and integrating it in a way that is helping them be more available in the world. And yeah, and I think these medicines have an intelligence of their own and just recognizing is this the energy you want to mingle with. And yeah, and I think it's for some people and I think it's not for others. And I do think that Westerners, uh, and I'm a Westerner, so it's not any kind of commentary on that. Cause I say this in my own exploration of like, sometimes we need change to be explosive, to make, to feel like anything's happening. And that's not always the case. There is that space for the subtle. And in fact, when we're working with our spirit guides and we're working with our like emotional energies and which are powerful, like in magic, you want that clear emotional charge to invoke, not a messy emotional charge, but like a clear emotional charge that's like filled with that conviction and that sincerity of, of what you're calling forth requires a, a kind of churning of the subtle. And we can use these bigger experiences and filter it into that. And sometimes we need the shock to our system. You know, like I need, I've needed that at times. I'm just like, I need someone to like slap me and wake me up but not every time do we Correct. need these explosive experiences to feel like, and I even used to teach this in my yoga classes. Like you don't have to feel like you're tearing your hamstring into two to feel a stretch. Like there's, there's other more subtle ways to still feel like something's happening, even though in the moment it doesn't feel explosive or like extreme. Yeah. And really trusting because I, I truly can reflect back. There were times where spirit really guided me into some real deep shamanic cave initiatory times that were, you know, very much like modern day cave living where I was instructed to stop all events, all speaking engagements, get out of the spotlight essentially for the first time in my life, truly and just go deeper than ever before. And when I look back, those times of pause and that particular one that I'm referencing right now was a two and a quarter year pause where some of my friends were just like, are you okay? Or what's really going on here? Because I had come out as a shaman and come out of the spiritual closet and things really took off for me in a big way right away and just lots of press, very organically coming in, all these big events. And then I was instructed, cease all of that. Mm. And I said, okay, I live by the calls and I will do this. Um, but I also live in New York City on my own. So you need to work with me on how to pay the bills. <laughs> so I'm with you. But I just... And after I emerged out of that two and a quarter year time, that's when I finally, after many years, got clear on the book. And that's when Luke and I all of a sudden went from friends of four years to now we're engaged and just all these massive, but it was that conjuring mm. and it was that alchemy that was happening subtly, subtly, layer, thread by thread by thread, day after day after day for two and a quarter years. And... I just trusted there was something that just kept saying to me, hold the line, mm. keep going forward and hold this line. 
And I had no idea how long I would be in that space. And it was a long ass time, but <laughs> the, the massive transformations emerged from what felt like me just sitting there doing nothing. <laughs> but it was so deep and mm. so subtle. Yeah, yeah. So I'm so glad we're diving into that. And there's space for all of that. It's not a judgment on any of it. And I've gone through, I've, I've explored the whole range and I might feel very different in a year. You know, I might be like, you know what? I'm ready to, you know, have a more huge experience again. And, and I likely will have moments like that. But I, yeah, I'm, I've lately, maybe because I also just went through such an explosive <laughs> transition myself. Where I'm like, oh, okay, let's like chill it out now with the last few years. And, you know, now I kind of feel like I am where you were. I've had many moments like that. I'm sure you have too, but I, I also feel like this pull to keep the line going forward. And I'm not sure where it's leading me and I'm craving all these things in my life, but it's like not yet. There's this mm -hmm. final cycle, sh like starting to close. And yeah, there is something beautiful about the subtle. And I think of those bigger experiences with that explosive those transitions can help you attune because sometimes we do need those big experiences to like really rumble the foundation. And that's, you know, the change that I went through three and a half years ago with the divorce and my mom's death and moving out of New York and coming here. And then all the old, old, old stuff that that unearthed, that was really kind of what that was about. Like all this stuff that I just could not be in denial about anymore. That felt like an ayahuasca ceremony in a lot of ways. And it was this deep purge and it was like, uprooting my very foundation. And then it helped lead me to some of the more subtle lines of energy that we're talking about. And that's, I think, where my curiosity lies now, because I think there's so much power in that subtle space. Like as subtle as it is, it's, it's, it's so huge and so powerful. And I mean, think of how subtle the nervous system is and it runs everything, right? So it's kind of like they're like the hormonal system is subtle, but it's the whole concoction of how everything works. So it feels like that in the spirit realm as Definitely. well. Definitely. Yeah, some of your most powerful moments in life can come from a pause. So I would love to immerse in whatever mini ceremonial practice, ritual, drumming, song, prayer, invocation, whatever through our conversation is just lifting up like little sparkling water bubbles inside of you that you can maybe take this beautiful community through. Um, I would love to have you do that because when I, that time we met all those years ago in New York and I was able to immerse and that, uh, practice you were guiding at uh, Inscape. It's just, you're such a great teacher and such a guide um, that feels so trustworthy. So I would love for, for you to bless our listeners with some sort of voyage with you. Yeah. What do you want to do? <laughs> like, moon deck. Da, da, da. Well, we should pick a moon deck card. Okay. I would love to do kind of a combo. Com yeah, let's do it. Combo pack. Combo pack. So picking a card. I think there might be one at my altar, so it might not be a full oh, deck. Oh, that's funny. That's okay. That's okay. It's okay. We, we still can. Uh, I pulled one this morning. I must have given you a new book, huh? I think I did. Yeah. Yeah, it feels a little thinner in there. <laughs> Do you have a... <laughs> there might be a couple up there. I pull, I, I kind of work with it each morning. So I, I usually pull one, two, or three at the most. So at the most, there's only three gone. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. So I'd love to pick a card, and then I would love to lead a very simple meditation that can help us connect with and commune with our spirit guides. And then we can sing a song together. Great. Let's do it. 
So I'm going to shuffle. So whether you're with us on video or audio or both, just setting your intention here. So the moon deck is an oracle deck, and this deck is really about enhancing our intuition and dissolving self-doubt and increasing self-love and deepening our relationship to our intuition and to ritual in our life, healthy boundaries, cycles and growth. I love healthy boundaries so much. I know. It's too. just the best. It is the best. And I still like, I feel like I have them in place and then something comes up. I'm like, oh, I, the, where, why am I that really? <laughs> okay. So. Ooh, of course we got an animal for you. Oh, yay. We got the I haven't butterfly. that in a long time. I love this one for what we're talking about because this is the butterfly. And it says, I honor the natural process of growth and transformation. This deck is always so perfect. And this card's so perfect because I feel like our conversation really went into like our younger selves, into like our tween selves, into our womanhood and all these cycles. And I feel like we really tied that together in today's conversation of what was the common thread in the conversation, even though I went into all these different times of my life was intuition and strengthening it and developing discernment and trust with that intuition. And that has been such a huge part of my growth. Like, because I personally have dealt with so much around worth and, you know, at times self like debilitating self-doubt where I would just be paralyzed about making a decision and overwhelmed with making the wrong decision, like so out of touch with my intuition. <laughs> and some of that still comes out because I have a lot of Libra in my chart. But it's like that journey led me to even have a voice to now be a teacher of this because I really feel how painful that is. And so the students I work with now in my trainings and things like that, when I speak openly about it in this way that, sure, we tap into the esoteric, but it's also very in the mental, physical, emotional body of the here and now, that's been just such a huge part of my journey. So for me, I honor the natural process of growth and transformation is that there's going to be ebbs and flows. Mm -hmm. There's going to be moments where you're in the cocoon, in the sort of like dark, sticky, contracted part of your existence or your evolution. And then we go through the metamorphosis of like cracking out of it, which is like, some freedom, but still not totally comfortable yet. It's, still kind of gooey and figuring out. Yeah, like Bambi legs. You're <laughs> yeah. like, eh. And then you open the wings and fly. And if you were to slice that cocoon open because you want are impatient about the butterfly flying, it will die. It will never, it has to go through the process. You cannot crack the cocoon open. Yes, trusting the divine timing. Trusting the divine timing of this cycle. And everything has a cycle. And how can we embrace our cycles without criticizing it or judging it or comparing ourselves. I, I would imagine that the caterpillar as it's eating its leaves, getting fat and then going into the cocoon, isn't really like, where do I want to go? You know, maybe I, I'm not in the <laughs> psyche of a caterpillar, but they just sort of go through the process. And then the butterfly opens up once it's completed that process. And it's just, it's critical for the butterfly to enter its phase of lightness and the fluttering from flower to flower and the color and and then eventually it's migration to wherever it goes. And it's just part of the cycle. It's part of the season. Yeah. And we can go through these exact cycles many, many, many times, right? So I think it's beautiful right now for you listening to 
tune in, you know, where do you feel at right now? Do you feel in the cocoon? Do you feel more in the chrysalis, I think is the word, where you're starting to, in a ooey-gooey way, start to take some shape and form? Or do you feel just wings wide open and totally embodied and ready to fly in this next phase of life? And just having some sort of an awareness as to what your soul and body needs right now. Where are you? Yeah. And in knowing that it's a part of the cycle to have that deep trust, like, okay, I'm not in the comfortable part, but I know I'm gaining gifts and wisdom and compassion and empathy and magic, literally magic here that is going to really help me create something amazing in the world or something amazing with my family or whatever it is. It doesn't have to be this big worldly thing, but if each of us practiced more self-love and acceptance and really kind of danced with these cycles with more trust and willingness, we truly would see a different planet. So it really does start with us. And then that starts to ripple out into our communities, into the planet. And when we feel well, we bring wellness into the world. And when we feel beautiful, we see more beauty in the world. So it's just a matter of really letting that inner process. And it's going to look really different for everyone Everybody. as well. Yeah. And the last thing, little thing that I'll say is I could tell at the two and a quarter year mark that that cocoon phase was starting to come to a close because I energetically could sense the new energetics of the next phase literally went on my back and started to push me forward and started to push me back out into the world. And it was so clear. There was no questioning, mistaking it. I was like, okay, I don't know what's next. I don't know where this brand new path that I've just birthed, this new paradigm, because it's truly, I was deconstructing all old paradigms that were no longer serving me. They were I was allowing them to crumble and disintegrate and old paradigms to break down to birth a whole new paradigm, a new way. And I could feel that new paradigm go behind my back and say, okay, it's time now. So, you know, just there's all sorts of signs that can come in to let you know where you're going, what phase you're going And as you're speaking, I feel like it's just further confirmation on whoever's listening of like valuing the subtlety because to feel that behind you pushing forward is as powerful as a vision that is. It probably was a subtleness that you had to pay attention to. This is a practice of presence, what we're talking about. It's a practice. This is why meditation, however that looks for you, is so important. Having moments daily where you get still, you know, for the world needs us, the sensitive ones, the deep feelers and the subtle, those tapped into the subtle. And we have to, whether it's getting in nature or being quiet, it's, kind of like it's our job to to sit and have those moments with ourselves so that we can attune to that and that you felt that I think points to how much space you made in your life, how much presence you made in your life for the subtle to speak to you. Oh, it was a lot of years of being celibate and single <laughs> and being living alone in a cave in Brooklyn. That's what created that awareness. But yeah, spot on. And now look at you. <laughs> yeah, I'm engaged. <laughs> and no longer celibate. Thank God. My Lord. That, oh, that was almost a five-year stretch, girl. That is amazing to me. We can go off on a whole thing. Uh, yeah, I know, I'm, right? <laughs> That's wild. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All paid off though. Also worth it. Your body must have really recalibrated though. Yeah. And it had to, it had to, there was just, yeah. I mean, as the story I shared before, there's just, yeah, a lot of wounding energetically womb wise. I mean, just all sorts of stuff that really needed to, um, heal in my physical body. Yeah. In order to be in this, uh, sacred partnership that I'm in now and learning what that feels like, you know, in this, 
in, in a sexual way. It's like, oh, wow, I have a true divine partner now and it's the first time for me so it's just like a whole new beautiful world of exploration of like oh, oh being honored and respected now this is wonderful what do we do with all of this you know? beautiful yeah yeah good oh it's inspiring to hear beautiful <laughs> yeah. yeah what's next in this uh ceremony so, flow <laughs> <laughs> one more thing i think could i actually just recorded this, uh, I'm on my friend's app called Yoga Wake Up. It's like cool. a, an app you wake up to in the morning. It's your alarm and you wake up to this chill music and a teacher's voice coming in. And some of the practices are more are stronger. Some of them are more meditative. So I just did one about spirit guides because I think some of us have direct access. Some of us are very curious as you started off the podcast with saying that there's these things are just getting big in the world. And yes, we need the discernment as they're getting big and trending but also let's celebrate that they're getting out there because that's been the point of us doing this. And so in light of that, this is could be for anyone who has either kind of gone MIA from their spirit guides or this is newer for them or just want a kind of grounding reboot. Love. So let's rub our palms together, vigorously building some heat. We also have a lot of nerve endings in our hands, so it's nice to kind of activate them. Just keep going for another five seconds. Building heat, breathing deeply. Good. And then just separate your hands ever so slightly so you feel kind of this energetic ball or space behind between your hands. And you can even pulse them and feel that. And then when you're ready, you can listen to your intuition. You can either take one hand to heart and one hand to belly, palms facing in. Or you might choose to bring both to belly or both to heart. It's up to you. Taking a full deep inhale and a full exhale. This will just be an abbreviated version of this. You can do this on your own at any time. And just take a moment using your mind's eye to imagine roots leaving your pelvis, the very base of your pelvis and tailbone. This is where we anchor. This is the boundary we we're talking about, grounding ourselves first, reaching these roots down from your base, moving these roots all the way down through the floorboards of your home or wherever you are. And let these roots continue to travel all the way down deep into the soil of the earth. See them moving through the soil. Breathing. Allowing these roots to continue growing and rooting their way all the way to the very core of the earth, the very center, the heart of the earth. And once you feel these roots anchor and ground into the very core heart of the earth, stay with that, stay rooted, and then let this move up into your body like a healthy tree with healthy grounded roots nurturing its trunk, its branches, its leaves, this length and space and broadness moving up into your spine, into your back body, into your heart, all the way up through the crown of your head so that you feel a balance between rootedness and expansiveness. So now that we've set this space up, we can create 
this field around us so that when we call in our spirit guides, we're doing so with awareness and with clear intention. Calling in our spirit guides, spirit guides, those that are of the highest vibration of love, compassion, and truth. I welcome the support and the guidance and the protection that is in alignment with my purest intentions, with my well-being. I welcome that which can help guide me forward in a way that helps me to feel inspired and to inspire those who cross my path. Thank you, spirit guides, for guiding me, for showing me all that I am ready to see, feel, hear, and understand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And just sitting with that for as long as you'd like. You can practice this anytime. And we just sit after that prayer. We've claimed what we're calling in. We've welcomed them into our governed space. We've been clear about what we're calling in. And then just sitting with that without expectation, without force, for any messages or symbols or memories or feelings that arise. It, it could even just be stillness. Your hands can move if they wish or stay on your body. And as you continue to sit there, and when you do this on your own, you can always turn this into a much longer meditation. And for those that are with us here, just staying with that as we sing a song for you, just being aware of any sensations or feelings and without judgment, just letting what needs to arise arise. You've already set this tone, so just trusting. Yenne wa o, 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 yenne wa yenne wa yenne ya o, yenne wa yenne wa yenne wa o, yenne wa yenne wa yenne wa o. Yenne wa o, 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 y
listening just allowed yourself uh, to be in that state of surrender and and just be in that river with us. And of course, you know, you can always come back to these episodes. That's the beauty of for so many years, everyone's like, when are you, knowing I have was used to be a radio host and TV host, when are you going to do podcasts? When are you going to do podcasts? And it just took a lot of years for the readiness for Ceremony Circle podcast to want to come out into the world. And I just love that we're weaving in these beautiful songs and prayers and rituals so that you all listening can come back to whatever episode, you know, tune into your intuition and, and ask like, what practice do you want to dip back into and, uh, you know, start to maybe get your own drum and sing along with us next time. Yeah. We're opening that invitation, right? It's so healing. And I love the name. Congratulations. It's beautiful. And you have to be ready, right? Because podcast, you have to be ready for that consistency and that output. And it's a big commitment. It's a big commitment. And then all of your threads have now woven together, I'm sure, in such a beautiful way to, to create this offering. So thank you for mm-hmm. having me. Yeah, so fun. I'm so glad we got to reconnect. I love you so much as a friend and sister and however many past life voyager, you know, with me. And I loved the richness of this episode. So thank you so much. And that song, I always have a a certain way that I want to close each episode's circle. And and that song really did it. And it feels very whole and complete to me. So yeah, I love you too. All right. Until next time, everyone. Be blessed. Woo! What a powerful voyage that was. It is just my greatest honor. It brings me so much joy and activates and lights up my soul to be able to sit with these incredible embodied, true spiritual masters and leaders from all over the world. I ask that you please, if you feel called, continue to support them and their work in whatever way that feels aligned for you please go to my website where all the show notes are listed, www.alisoncharles.com. That's www.alisoncharles.com so that you can access their direct links to their website and social media platforms and additional information about them. And remember, what makes Ceremony Circle so unique is that at the end of every single episode, as you just experienced, we immerse in a powerful ceremony, ritual, invocation, prayer, spiritual song, some sort of activation that the guest feels called to offer on that day. So listen to your intuition. If at any point, Moving forward, you feel called to come back and re-immerse in this guided ceremonial experience, do so. Because I guarantee every single time you experience it, you will receive a new medicine transmission, a new awareness, a new awakening aspect within your soul. It has been an honor voyaging with you. Please keep the Ceremony Circle community vibes growing and activating find me on Instagram at I am Allison Charles. And let me know how you enjoyed this episode. Let me know how you are creating your own sacred ceremony circle space. Tag those in your soul fam who are immersing in the ceremony circle episodes and experiences with you. And let's unite in the next episode coming out next week so we can continue to activate the consciousness energies of planet Earth and the universes. 
This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and my intention is not to provide medical advice or diagnosis. You should always consult a health professional before making drastic changes to your diet or lifestyle.